Hi everybody and welcome to uh, Second Features. Yes, we are still alive, although it feels like it's been a while uh, since our last episode, but we're very pleased to be back. I'm Adrian Smith and I am here, of course, with Dr. Laura Main. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, I'm all right, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed watching the film this week. Very mainstream, like way more mainstream than uh, we tend to towards on this podcast, I think. <laughs> yes. Yes, I mean, maybe we should have gone with like Robocop 3 or something, you know, one of the ones it's that It's okay, though. Watches. It's okay to do that. Yeah. It's okay not. It's okay to be mainstream sometimes, Adrian. Yeah, yeah. Don't exactly. It. It's My, there's no, yeah, nothing wrong with uh, cashing in on commercial, someone else's commercial success. Uh, yeah, it's good. I love Robocop. Uh, and I watched it when I was, first watched it when I was far too young, which is, I guess, the subject of, uh, of this episode. So um, I'd like to introduce our guest for this week uh dr pete turner who is a it is doctor right it is dr yes. pete turner just checking senior lecturer at oxford brooks university and he teaches across three different courses in film and media and culture he has written a book on found footage horror films uh, and also did a monograph on the blair witch project for the devil's advocate series so i guess in a way we should be grateful we're not here to talk about the blair witch project uh, oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like the Blair <laughs> Project. Um, but I met Pete at a conference uh, last summer where he gave, he gave a presentation, a paper about a research project that he'd been doing basically on people who watched films when they were underage in the 80s. And this really struck a chord with me because I watched a lot of inappropriate films in the 80s. You watch a lot of inappropriate films now. The trend has continued. <laughs> <laughs> that is true that's very true so um so yeah so i enjoyed that and it brought me like a proustian rush of memories of video shops and tapes and getting into trouble with my mum and all that stuff um so pete you chose robocop as our film for this week but obviously i'm really interested to talk to you about your project um, and the paper that's come out of that. And I think the project is still ongoing, so we can discuss that. But maybe first of all, why don't we start with Robocop? Why did you suggest Robocop? We've got a volunteer. The body is on the way. Sure. Wool Detroit has a cancer. <laughs> cancer is crime. Turn the roll. As you know, we've entered into a contract with the city to run local law enforcement. We were able to save the left arm. What? I thought we agreed on total body prosthesis. Now lose the arm, okay? We get the best of both worlds. Onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. Hey, Lewis, it's Supercop. This guy is really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. What are they gonna do, replace us? Murphy, it's you. Go get him, boy. Thank you. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. Anything you say may be used against you. You better back up, pal! Your move, creep. The future of law enforcement. Robocop. Thank you for your cooperation. Well, so so for me, the the holy trinity, the 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 films that I I could have gone for, the films that I saw that I shouldn't have done, the 
let's say the first 18 rated films I saw were Nightmare on Elm Street, Robocop and Terminator. Um, and like, I just don't think, I don't think you can be introduced to the world of kind of adult oriented films in a better way personally, because they're all incredible to me. But I thought Robocop was interesting because... Yeah, so I, I, I don't know when I saw it then, maybe like a year later, I guess, by the time it was on VHS, but it would have been at a friend's house and or somehow somebody got hold of the tape. But what's interesting with Robocop is it was kind of marketed to kids because I, I was a Spectrum owner, ZX48K, and the Robocop game was huge. So like kids my age were all playing Robocop with only five different colors. But the <laughs> Robocop game was great. And so I used to play that a lot. And I'm sure there were Robocop toys as well. There were. Yeah. And this comes up in the in the memories of my participants. There's, there's quite a few people who mentioned these kind of ancillary products or whatever. But I mean, even even the title Robocop, I, I, I think when I saw it, I had no idea this was going to be such an incredibly violent film. I don't think I even understood that the main character cop was going to die and become the ro the robocop i thought that maybe a robot cop would just come into it somehow so i think that's part of the part of the reason why this is stuck in so many people's memories i think it was probably one of the first times i i saw a main character you know brutally murdered within mm. what is it the first 20 minutes of the yeah film? it's like psycho yeah yeah but 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 so but, much yeah. more horrific i mean oh, it's yeah. still the most one of the most upsetting death scenes oh, I think. The, yeah the bit when he it's shoots him. his hand off and it's yeah. awful and, uh, and all the characters it, laugh. i found it really just it's yeah it's really disturbing it's the way that it's kind of like the characters are just having fun and going and you know just laughing at it i, <laughs> it, I yeah it still packs a punch still packs a punch yeah it's so sadistic the characters are so sadistic and and somebody mentioned this in in one of the in one of the questionnaires somebody somebody said that they'd never seen they'd that they'd never seen or heard of characters that would enjoy the violence so much. And they'd seen criminals before, but it didn't seem like Clarence Boddicker and his gang were actually into sort of the drugs or the money. They were just into violence. They were yeah. just into killing cops, it seemed. Clarence is such a good character. Like, <laughs> such a great on-screen villain. Like you said, like, like nothing else, really. It's so kind of unique in what seems to be motivating him and um which is good though i suppose because like you said a lot we, we all grew up watching violent films like james bond and all that sort of stuff but at least with this film the violence is made to seem horrible mm. you know it's not violence for excitement it's although i mean i guess there is some of that later once robocop is robocop mm. there's kind of comedy comedy violence comes in a bit later like on that point, I kind of sometimes the uh, the BBFC British Board of Film Censors has case studies of particular films, mm -hmm. and very helpfully sometimes they've scanned the original examiner's report and put it online. So that's online. So I had a oh. look at it, um, and uh, it, it's, it's exactly what we're talking about. So basically, if you look at the examiner's report for this August 1987, um, they've identified that the theme of the film is PG. And they say, you know, it's Marvel Comics. It's, uh, it's you know, <laughs> it's uh, the million wow. dollar man, the six million dollar man in Judge Dredd. However, every single mm -hmm. other category from violence to language to <laughs> nudity to obscenity is 18. Um, and even the examiner's report is pretty confused 
uh, because mm. it's a comic book thing, which, you know, to, we would expect to be aimed at kids. But also um, they've identified the actual bits that they find quite objectionable. And it's some of the scenes we've just talked about. And um, mm. it was, you know, past 18 uncut, without cuts. But like, there is definitely a sense of, well, yeah, the, the theme is kind of at odds with the actual kind of violence. Even though the violence mm. is tongue in cheek, it's still like pretty disturbing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that that and that's I keep going back to my questionnaires, but that that's one of the things people people know. You know, lots of people said this film is funny and it's got you know really dark humor and and you can't take the violence seriously and it's cartoonish. And then on the other hand, there's people saying that 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 scene that that Murphy's yeah. death is the most distressing and you oh, really? you really feel for him and you know so so it's it there's this weird kind of i don't know yeah. ambiguous reaction the for but... me the bit that stuck out for me uh growing up the most memorable scene and the bit that i always kind of look forward to seeing again when i watch robocop is the toxic waste yeah. guy you know that was seeing somebody <laughs> seeing a guy explode because he's so soggy from toxic waste i mean that that was something that really stuck with me for a long time more than more than the death at the beginning that's the one that's interesting but that, not that... in a kind of nightmarish horrifying disturbing way more I... just in a kind of i can't believe i just saw that I yeah no it, it kind of like <laughs> reminds me of the melting nazis in indiana jones yeah but which was a p which was a pg I was say, yeah. yeah um but it's like the robocop is so substantial in terms of the themes it explores as well because like on the face mm -hmm. of it it looks like a comic book movie albeit very violent one but then mm. it's a pretty like it's kind of that genre of 1980s science fiction films where the corporations are the bad guys uh, and capitalism yeah. is evil uh, so it's in that category but it's quite it's, it's very intelligent actually in the way that it satirizes mm -hmm. advertising um mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely kind of aimed at you know people who who think about this stuff not necessarily yeah. people who like comic book movies because you know, often there's an overlap as we know <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. so like it's uh yeah it very much like a just a complex film but like in just in informal conversations i've had with people um so to go to sort of uh you know the pete's work is it sorry peter or peter yeah pete yeah <laughs> yes. <laughs> um yeah to go to that like robocop comes up um among people of like our age roughly again and again as as being the film that oh i wasn't allowed to watch it um, mm -hmm. like one of my friends said his parents stopped him from watching it. He wasn't allowed to watch it, but he, um, like, and he didn't watch it until he was, um, in his late teens, but it was actually less disturbing by the time he did, you know, he was allowed to watch it because in his head, he'd made up the most outlandishly violent things mm -hmm. <laughs> based on mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, this, there was like, no, this is a forbidden film. It's just, it's too much. <laughs> mm -hmm. This, this happens again and again in the responses of people. It's, and it's obviously it's not just Robocop. You know, there's examples of people who watched Alien through their through their fingers and things. And then they, you know, when they actually finally watch the film fully and, and you get all that kind of context, uh, you, you understand it better. And it's, it's not so horrendous. But, I mean, I think Robocop is pretty horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but 
what got you interested in this then, Pete? Like, what gave you the idea to do this project? Well, uh, the, the first, I mean, the, the first thing is at Oxford Brooks, where I am, there's there's a lot of audience research. Um, uh, Daniela Treveri Gennari is our research lead, and she's looked at um, 1950s Italian audiences. Um, there's been a, a recent book about it, um, which I've just finished. But there's also, you know, Martin Barker's work and, and the work of the Participations Journal. And I, I mean, to be honest, it, it came out of, writing my book on found footage horror films and sort of theorizing and using cognitive film theory and sort of trying to think about how we process films but then never actually asking audiences anything about it i got to the end of that book and i just sort of thought okay I, that was that was interesting and and i think I've, I've come up with something interesting there but i really want to speak to people about their memories and <laughs> I don't know. This is just making yeah. me laugh because that's just such so classically humanities. Like if humanities were going to do science, they'd just not talk to anyone ever. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Theorize yeah. about how it might work based on reading the text. Yeah. <laughs> so well done to you for going out and actually talking to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but what, and what a great thing to talk to people about. You know, of all the things I could think of, I thought, you know, I think your your earliest viewings, I mean, for me, I, I don't know about everyone else, but it seems a lot of people said this in the questionnaires, those early viewings of 18 rated films are what has turned them into filmmakers, lifelong film fans, a lot of, a lot of really, you know, hardcore horror fans, people that had to watch every video nasty on the list and all those sorts of things. And it, and it really shapes people. And, and, and you know, I believe believe that of myself i think you know once you've seen terminator nightmare and Street and robocop kids films family films are just i don't want to say aren't going to cut it because that's that's <laughs> silly but 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 i wasn't as interested in them i was desperate to get down the video shop and get whatever i could possibly get my video my, my parents to get me you know what 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 boundaries could i push and i still want to you know watch the most horrible things i can yeah. find i can't help it once you've that's it once you've done crack there's just no going back to sherbet <laughs> and that's exactly it. You exactly to... <laughs> yeah. I, I like Open. i like all the drugs though i mean the film yeah. related <laughs> metaphor not the actual drugs okay right <laughs> but, but, yeah just to be clear <laughs> i like all the metaphors <laughs> i mean for me back in the 80s um renting videos from from shops that shouldn't have been letting me rent mm -hmm. videos um, you know, I was doing that quite regularly, just in the sort of local, one of these little independent shops that popped up a lot in the 80s. But I wasn't, I think I was just, I never even tried. I didn't rent any 18 certificate films, but I was renting 15 certificate horror films, but I was only 10. So that seemed wow. like, that was quite transgressive. And yeah. my mum did actually catch me once and got, I got into trouble because I'd borrowed, a, she saw that it was a 15. But like I'd already watched it by that point. But I would, my, yeah. But I regularly rented fifteen-rated horrors because those those seemed enough. Like I can't maybe yeah. I knew my limits. I suppose yeah. I never tried to borrow anything that was going to be too horrifying. But I did enjoy looking at the covers. Yeah. In the video shop, obviously, and the posters. The poster for Phantasm Two is one that's kind of burned into my brain. The woman with her hands over her eyes, but then you can see her eyes. Oh, on the backs of her hands yeah. that, which is never in the film it's like nothing to do with the movie <laughs> but it's a really iconic image and that was in this video store and that always stayed with me and really scared me but the films themselves were fine 
Yeah, I never had age ratings in my house. I was watching horror films from the age of four, and my mom was into massively gory stuff. Like, her favorite film oh. was Extro. She was exploitation trash cinema horror films. I was just oh. watching all of this stuff. I didn't go near the horror genre again until I was in my mid-twenties, because that's how disturbed wow. I was. Wow. <laughs> you... So, okay. um, but that's, that's actually... We... My, I'm a bit of an outlier, actually. I think, for the most part, people... Did, oh, well, I don't know actually, Pete. Like, were people actually affected? No, no. Were they affected and traumatized by these films, or was it? Were they just like, was it something else? Was it more about the illicit nature of like finding this stuff and watching it? I mean, that that yeah, I think you you're right. You are an outlier in in terms of watching them at four year four years old. There, there are some mentions of people watching Hashtag them at that kind of age. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, you know, that is that is something. Um, oh. But yeah, no, I think most most kids get introduced to these films by older kids older siblings older cousins occasionally mm. you know it is parents um but it, it usually seems to be around that kind of 10 11 mark um that that's it i don't know maybe eight or nine but but yeah four is seriously young but um yeah there, there's a lot of talk of you know, there's a lot of people that say, I still can't watch that film to this day, or um, I had nightmares for weeks, I had I had nightmares for days, I couldn't sleep for days, I had to sleep with a parent for, for weeks or whatever. <laughs> so there, there are these examples of, of people being upset by films. I think traumatised is, is a strong word. And, and yeah, I, I don't, the interesting thing is, I think most people that answered my questionnaire, 300 people have answered this questionnaire, and I think most of them are, are, are film fans. And they're obviously people that are willing to take the time to, um, you know, to, to fill out a questionnaire that's probably going to take them at least half an hour. So they are film fans. So their their experiences, those their early experiences of age inappropriate viewings haven't scarred them in the way that maybe some others are. Because I asked my sister, who was born in she's 74 i think so she could have been in, she well no sorry she is in in my in the age criteria i wanted and she and she i asked her specifically and i begged her and begged her and said come on i really want you to fill out this questionnaire but she's not the kind of person that would fill out that questionnaire and she said she watched the first horror films never watched any again she hated them hmm. she hated the experience hmm. so she's not the kind of person that's going to fill out my questionnaire so it's yeah. it's that weird thing where it's it's tainted you know the the sample is, is tainted, I guess. Yeah. Um, the cognitive aspects of this, I would be quite interested in actually, because like you, that point about um, cognitive film studies, we don't talk to people. I don't think you actually said that. I said that. Um, no, but, no, uh, yeah, no, fair I, enough. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I the, didn't. <laughs> the sort of actual. Uh, is there any work on you know whether or not um, watching disturbing stuff changes the developing brain, or are we not able to find that out because um, the brain is is you know hard to look at <laughs> hard to find out stuff about doesn't that go back to the whole outcry about the video nasties in the first place that these were damaging our children yeah but how yeah and yeah i mean the the thing is i'm i'm not sort of uh, my my main approach to this i've been um looking at audience studies kind of work so i've, I've taken a step back from the cognitive film theory stuff but there is some great stuff there's a there's a book by joanne cantor called mummy i'm scared and it's all about um the the kind of the damage that it, it's, i want to remember the sub the whole title hold on it's mummy i'm scared how tv and movies frighten children and what we can do to protect them and that's yeah that's that's by a psychologist joanne Cantor, which has a very sort of negative 
perception and and and, and negative view of how films really do you know she mentions the the kind of classic example of jaws how many people have and and, and people mention it in the questionnaires how many people have said they would never go in the sea after watching jaws that is evidence of serious you know arguably quite serious psychological damage from when a film. was that just out of interest when was that published like was this peak hysteria uh, or was it more recent no this this so this was 1998 oh, all right so yeah yeah i mean you know obviously it's post the the whole um james bulger thing i mean it's funny you mentioned jaws that's another film that was marketed to children like i had i've got a photo somewhere of me <laughs> on my i think i was christmas six years old so excited holding my brand new jaws game toy which was the one with the shark's mouth open and then you had to reach in to pull things out of his mouth and if you a bit, a bit like buckaroo and it would snap shut on your hand if you you know and i was like six and you know jaws i always people always ask me what's my favorite film and i always say jaws because it's probably the uh, my earliest film viewing i don't know i i feel like i don't remember the first time i saw jaws but wow. i was never too scared to go in the water no. I don't ever feel like I was, maybe I'm an outlier again in a diff different direction. Maybe you're just really brave, Adrian. I don't recall ever being traumatized by a film. <laughs> like I used to have frequent nightmares as a child, but they were nothing to do with the films I was watching. Given the films you've watched though, I mean, I think maybe you are just really brave because you've seen so many disturbing films. <laughs> maybe, I mean, um, I, you know, I used to watch all the Hammer stuff as well as a kid and that kind of thing, but I, I definitely never, I don't recall ever feeling traumatized by a film. But maybe that's because I well, didn't see Nightmare on Elm Street. I was watching things like House and Terrorvision and Troll. You know, oh, that was yeah, my yeah. horror in the 80s, I suppose. The sort of age of the respondents in the study, like it's about like 11, uh, isn't it? Or is it, is it like, what age are they? We're we talking about kind of 11 year olds, 12 year olds. So they were, um, oh gosh, let me see if I can get this right. They were from... Okay, in, in 1980, they had to be between, let me get this right, something, oh gosh, I should know this off by heart. It's around about between five and 10 years mm. old in 1980. Okay, um, so that, like, they're watching this stuff when they're sort of just entering adolescence or early teens, kind of? Yeah, often, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, well, I just, I was thinking about this in, in terms of perspective, the perspective from like being a teenager, um, like, mm you know you're not supposed to drink cider in parks when you're 15. Mm -hmm. You know your parents would come down on you like a ton of bricks if you like did that or smoked a joint or whatever. But some, some of us do that anyway. But that's it's arguably part of the process of testing the boundaries and dis discovering the, the journey to adulthood. And part of that is rebelling against authority, right? So isn't this kind of part of that? Isn't it part of rebelling against structures absolutely. like that and testing out your sort of your independence? Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, it's 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 interesting because there's there's sort of the the three layers of it. There's the fact that the BBFC are telling you you shouldn't be doing it. There's the fact that, in, particularly in the 80s, the media was telling you you shouldn't be doing it because mm. there's there's Mary Whitehouse and there's um, Margaret Thatcher, and they're all sort of jumping on the bandwagon and shouting about this stuff. Um, then there's your own parents, often, but not always. And I think that that really has an effect on the power of the experience because if if your parents were insistent that you shouldn't be watching this stuff, 
then it had an extra illicit thrill to you. Whereas if your parents were okay with it, if you sat down and watched these films with your parents, there was something much more comfortable and safe about the experience. And, you know, I feel slightly sorry for those people because they didn't get the full thrill. You know, I, 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 I got the full thrill because my parents <laughs> didn't know I was watching it. But, but yeah, often people, but then people have really fond memories of watching these things with their parents. So it, it yeah, it, it kind of, I don't know, but it's definitely about testing the boundaries in, in a similar way that, that, you know, kids test the boundaries of where they can go. I, I've just been reading about children's experience of place mm. and how they, they sort of push the boundaries of where they can they can literally move in the world. Um, and it, I think it's exactly the same. They find the houses where parents are out at work or they... They, you know, they they often watch things in their bedroom with the light out and the sound turned down so that their parents can't hear them downstairs, even though their parents might be watching the same thing. And yeah, all sorts of cool, you yeah, know, it's like, ways around and I the kind stuff. Of, well, I didn't really have that experience because I didn't have any restrictions on me literally at all as a teen. So what I did was become really studious and nerdy <laughs> as a way of rebelling against the lack of structure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's, that's what I'm going to do with my kids. But that I mean, that sounds great. Just testing like your individuality by like breaking the rules and stuff. Um, mm. I think, yeah. Is that what you did, Adrian? Is that like, were you? Well, I mean, we only had one TV in the house. Um, but I remember things like knowing if I knew a film was going to be on TV that my parents would be watching. Like there was one time a new Poltergeist was going to be on and it was after I'd gone to bed. But I would, I, I remember going down, finding an excuse. I, oh, I needed to go to the toilet or something. Just, just so I could walk through the room just so I could see like 30 seconds of Poltergeist. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I and I can still remember exactly what I saw on the TV as I walked through. Like it was quite a, out of context, quite a scary image. Mm. Um, you know, so I was always, I guess I was pushing it in that, from that perspective, what could I see? Even if it was just a little bit, it was better than nothing. And the same going to friends' houses, what did they have on video? Uh, like now we worry about what kids are watching on their phones. Mm -hmm. And in the eighties, people were worried about what we were just watching in our houses. I mean, my dad um, was, my dad had a collection of illegal porn because <laughs> all porn was illegal in the 80s. Mm. And he had porn VHS tapes that he would trade with his friends down the pub. And he didn't know that I knew that that's what he had. So horror films were less illicit to me than the fact that my dad had this stash of porn behind the TV. Yeah. And he didn't know that I knew that. Behind the TV, he didn't even go yeah, to any great like, to hide it. He didn't, no, he didn't. Because he, yeah, he just, not under the floorboard. <laughs> just assumes that, you know, kids don't not know this stuff. Not in the hedge. Stuff, but I, knew, I knew what it was. No. God. So, um, so for me, and I don't know, you mentioned a bit in, I mean, the, most of the focus is on horror films, but you do talk a little bit about parents and children when sex scenes mm -hmm. come on the screen and the kind of, the various memories of what happens there, which that was funny for me to read that because I've got exactly the same memories of films and then suddenly, oh, turn it off. Yeah. yeah. Or I'd be watching a film that's fine and then my mum walks in just at the moment when somebody takes their clothes off. It's like, mm -hmm. seriously, this has not been happening all the way through the film. <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost, it, it is almost a cliche now, but, but parents do generally seem to be more upset or more worried more concerned about their kids seeing sex mm -hmm. and um and, and i want to it's something i so want to investigate dad. more well yeah <laughs> apparently yeah um although he did hide them behind the tv so he was attempting something there um yeah but it, yes yeah the the and, and i want to look at 
sort of um whether the parenting was slightly kind of um uh skewed by gender like because it seems to me that that um parents were more concerned with uh girls watching sex particularly but i don't know if that's is that a, is that because girls were more likely to be watching something like dirty dancing which had like you know i don't know talk about abortion and mm. sex, sexual themes and stuff I, I i don't know so that that's something i, I sort of want to investigate a bit further um, well, i was yeah. uh, just going to ask pete about the future for the research because um I mean, the article uh, that we're talking about is based on qualitative surveys isn't it like 309 yeah. surveys and responses yeah i mean are you planning to do uh are you planning to kind of use that method are you planning to do oral histories or sort of in-depth uh, interviewing yes. life stories type stuff like that kind of thing I've already done so. I've done since since the questionnaires. I've done uh, thirty interviews. Oh, wow. One of the the sort of I guess problems with the the questionnaires was that it was oh gosh, if I remember off the top of my head, it was it was around about two hundred and thirty men to seventy women, um, which I think is an, a problem that the 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 guys Martin Barker and the team that did the um, study of Alien, the audiences of Alien, they had a similar sort of problem. Men seem to answer these questionnaires way more. So I wanted to address that and have a kind of gender balance in the in interview so I, I interviewed 15 um men 15 women um yeah just just to sort of further deepen deepen my understanding of their responses and things so so that's already happened and yeah i'm hoping to turn it into a a, a book hopefully um we'll see I, I i've got lots more talk there's a there's a conference um uh it's paul Ver, verhoven uh, at 85 it's at oh. Bang- bangor university in nice. september so i want to i want to talk just about robocop and memories of robocop hopefully at that i'm going to put in a proposal but yeah i've got lot, lots to do with it lots to do with the data i remember see, i was reading uh, watching an interview with him where he talked about how he first when he was given the script for robocop he turned it down because he just thought it seemed silly, but I think it was his wife who read it and said, "No, you need to look at this again." That's right. Yeah, and he didn't. He didn't see the potential for it to be a, like a satire. Mm. Um, and I guess it, perhaps in other hands, it would have been more of a sort of straightforward action film. But it's the comedy, it's the it's the satire, as you mentioned before, that really elevates it and, and kind of almost, you know, if you need if it needs to be justified, you can say it justifies all the violence because mm-hmm. of the kind of message that it's um it's putting across and then he's then he's on that yeah then he's on that roll of total recall and starship troopers and it's yeah well and showgirls yeah (laughs) there's a kind of was was there one called the sensualist because that came up in the sort of examiner's report they said in real they're talking about real too you know the scene where there is um like an attempted rape and then Mm -hmm. uh you know the woman's shot like you know between her legs and her skirt mm-hmm. and um he sort of kills the guy who's uh, assaulting her yeah um the the examiner says it is it is unfortunate that verhoven seems to specialize in dubious frissons like this i am reminded of the scissors and pubic hair shot in the sensualist so actually maybe it's a different film but he seems to be known to the the examiner though <laughs> yeah Weirdly. And and I bet even more so now because I mean it's yeah he's always he's oh, always kind of dealt did you with see these... did you see Benedetta I have not yet so no. good yeah I, I've heard oh good I'm glad Benedetta I, I... is amazing it Again, takes he... all that kind of non-sploitation stuff and you know throws in you know and brings it back to the devils but then turns it all up to eleven it's so good interesting this is yeah. well this this brings me back to your presentation at that conference in the summer on um what was it Emmanuel Emmanuel yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I don't he's... know what I was thinking. 
he, he said, yeah, no, it was, it was very interesting. Um, yeah, but he's, he, he did L recently as well, which was which was mm. really interesting. He, he seems to have these kind of interesting female-led dramas in in his late years. Yeah. And in terms of the violence, like, um, you know, Starship Troopers was very similar to Robocop in its sort of satirical theme and extreme mm. violence. Yeah. But I don't know whether, because I guess that would be a whole different generation. If you did this sort of survey again, but looked at kids in the 90s and this, this is whether that would be starship troopers would be you know the previous generations of robocop because yeah. you'd watch it because it's sci-fi and then you'd be horrified by what you actually had happen on screen oh, yeah i wanted to ask i totally forgot i this is this is um okay so i watched robocop on itv with ads the cut version yeah. Um, and there's there's not a lot of swearing in Robocop, but there's some swearing. Um, and I swear to God, there's a bit where uh, Murphy goes into a shop um, and like, s- <laughs> instead of saying like motherfucker, he says um, melon trucker or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like something Probably like that. And then, farmer, um, yeah. and then wow. there's in the bathroom scene uh, where, um, God, I can't remember his name, big bad evil guy comes up behind other big bad evil guy. And he's like... Um, yeah. Sometimes they call me asshole, you know, in the uncut version. I, on ITV, I swear to God, he says, sometimes they call me asshat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I just like, I want to know if anyone remembers that. <laughs> oh, I bet people do. It yeah. didn't come up in my questionnaire, sadly, yeah. but yeah. That does sound familiar. That's a bit like Repo Man and how in the TV version they call each other melon farmers. Mm. Unbelievable. <laughs> the, the butchering that went on on British TV. Yeah. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, so um, so what's next then, Pete? You mentioned so you've done all these interviews and you just said that maybe you'd move into the 90s and a sort of younger... Well, so, so no, yeah. I, to be honest, I kind of want to look at um, kids now because one of the interesting things that all the, the people who I've... Um, questioned uh, actually all the people that I, I did interviews with um, I asked them if they if they had children or if they were responsible for any children and if so how do they feel about um, BBFC ratings now and if it affected um, how they you know how they uh, what they let their kids watch and things and I, I I'm pretty sure every single one said they don't care about films pretty much at all. They're only worried about the internet. They're worried mm. about the fact their kids can watch beheadings and porn and and whatever they want at the touch of a button. So it's this, it seems like it's the same old fear of new technology. You know, we were scared of video. We, I mean, um, they were scared of cinema. They were yeah. now they're scared of video. They're scared of video games. They're scared of the internet. Um, but, but I am really curious to, you know, I just, I suspect, and this is, this is completely just from my own um, suspicions and talking to, to my students and things, they don't have the same relationship with ratings that, that we did in the 80s, for example, because it was in the media, you know, we knew yeah. the ratings of films, it was on the video cover, with streaming and things, are, are they even aware of ratings? I know there's parental controls and things, yeah. but it's, yeah, so it's something I want to investigate, is, is sort of under 18 year olds now, how is how has this changed? Is there... Well, I- I can tell you from my own experience in my house, my children grew up very much being aware of ratings because I was quite strict compared with my own upbringing oh, and really reinforced age ratings. And for the last, you know, since my, especially my youngest son, because he's a kind of cineast as well. Um, <laughs> and since about the age of 13, 
almost every day he'd come up to me and say, so uh, what rating is The Exorcist? And I'd have to tell him. He'd like, oh. I'm, I've, become a, I've had to become a walking BBFC database <laughs> because he was always asking me, what's the rating of this film? What's the rating of this film? And now he's just turned 17 and he's asking me, can I watch, um, what was it the other day, The Raid? Or oh. can I watch The Exorcist or whatever it is? So he's really, he, uh, he, he does ask my permission, which I quite like. So yeah. but maybe that's just because they grew up being very aware of what the ratings were. <laughs> yeah, he needs like um someone like I don't know, maybe a tipsy aunt to come along and say, you know what? Yeah. Just put just it on. It? <laughs> Test those boundaries. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's interesting that you've you know if you're if yeah it's, that's really interesting. Oh, well, I, yeah, because I on. grew up watching stuff I shouldn't, and I feel yeah. like it didn't affect me, but I wasn't I didn't want to assume the same for my kids, so. Wow, and I do, and I'm a big fan of the BBFC, uh, mm. despite my leftist leanings, and oh. so I've always, I've that's, always that's relied the BBFC, on the, the BBFC now, as opposed to then. Yeah, 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 I suppose now, yeah. So I've always lent on that and made sure the kids knew. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't have kids. God forbid. <laughs> I'm sure they're fine. But um, I do teach a number of sessions on censorship uh, throughout the year, just like from a film history perspective. And sometimes I bring it up to the present and talk about stuff like Squid Game and online streaming and things like that. Mm. And I do usually, I do sometimes do polls in the class. So this is not terribly scientific, but around about 30 students uh, in any given class. Mm. And I'll, I'll ask, like, do you know what an age rating is? And, you know, mm. do you, uh, what do you think of them? Um, mostly they, they do know what age ratings are and they're on games as well. Um, so they're on mm. all kinds of media. Um, mm. But uh, in general, I've never heard anyone say that censorship is a bad thing. Like in all of these classes, mm. it's usually a case of, well, classification. I kind of make the distinction between classification. That's not censorship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and generally that, yeah, they, students tend to agree that, they, that things should be classified according to the audience uh, demographic but also yeah. someone made a good point last term a student said well if we didn't have age ratings then everything would just fall into this one category where you actually probably wouldn't get really stuff that pushed boundaries or scary stuff or violent stuff because everyone it would be accessible to everyone so actually an 18 yeah. age rating provides the function for society to be able to have that <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. so is that, um, yeah, actually, that uh, age ratings allow for um, more boundary pushing taboo yeah. things mm. to exist. <laughs> that that's cinema in China. That's how it works in China. There are no age ratings. Mm. Every film, mm. every film in the cinema in China has to be suitable for everybody. Oh wow! So that's why China doesn't make um, horror films or you know sexy films or anything. All the films have to be suitable for everybody. So you're right, that's kind of probably what would happen if you didn't have those categories which enable for more creativity. I was, I was just watching um, Megan or M3 oh, yeah. Gan, yeah, 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 the other yeah. night, and, 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 and that made me a little bit nervous that, that we'll move towards that, um, you know, particularly with the success of that film um, just, just this month, this last month, mm -hmm. you know, because it's... It could have been so, you know, violent and child's play. Like, you know, it could have been easily an 18, but I think it's a 12A or something. And, and, and in America, it was like a PG-13. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I worry about that sort of thing. The, yeah. the chasing of the dollar. You're still getting Scream 6 and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, they're still, yeah. making, they're still making the stronger stuff. Well, as long as that's not a PG. I yeah. don't know. Has it been rated yet? We'll see. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, well, I think we've probably 
just about wrapping things up for now. Um, so, um, Pete, where can people read your article? It's called, I'll just get the name, Pause and Rewind, Memories of Age and Appropriate Film Viewings in the 1980s. I will put it in the show notes. Thank you. Um, but also it's in a journal called Images, is that correct? That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's got a much longer name, which I can never remember. Uh, y y images, um, popular journal. Of this was just published last year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they can they can. Oh, uh, now let me see if I can do this quickly. They they can follow the project on Twitter if anyone's interested. Oh, yes, um, please. It's at film memories 80s. OK, um, all, all, you know, all one thing or at film memories 80s. And um, it's the it's the pin tweet is the uh, the article. So, OK, um, yeah, excellent. Well, thank you. We'll put that in the notes as well. And we'll uh, we'll retweet that on our Twitter feed. Uh, anybody listening who doesn't already, you can follow us on Twitter at Second Features. We also have an email that I must confess I haven't looked at for months. Has anyone actually emailed us? Well, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> we have an email we never check. Yeah, <laughs> you are more than welcome sorry. to email us. I think, I think I've forgotten. I think I've forgotten the password, but I'll, I'll have a go. I'll have a go at some point. But yeah, Twitter is the best way if you want to contact us. And Yeah, Dizzy tweet, tweeting us is the best way to. to yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. We're always interested in uh, hearing about people's research and films that you might want to come on here and do. Um, so, yeah, and let us know what your memories were of the eight or are of the 80s and of watching inappropriate material with or without your parents. Uh, were you scarred for life um, or, or not, as the case may be? Um, I mean, Pete, do you feel you've been scarred for life? Uh, scarred in a good way. Yes. Scarred in a pleasant way. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? All three of us, we watched things in appropriate ages and we've all become film academics. I mean, that. Yeah. And and so many of the questionnaire respondents have gone into film. They yeah. they they film has become a huge part of their lives in some way or another. I I didn't I didn't mean to become a film academic. It happened by accident. <laughs> <laughs> I was a historian, and it just happened somehow. <laughs> But yes, no, yeah, that is that is an interesting coincidence. Yeah, it, it was your destiny ever since you watched Extra at the age of four. <laughs> it was sealed <laughs> right there. Yeah, it was my destiny to research and talk about exploitation genre films, yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. What a way to live. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you so much, Pete, for uh, coming on and sharing. Thanks for having me. This with us has been really interesting. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, we've been Second Features and we will be back again hopefully soon. Excellent. Bye. Bye. That was very optimistic. We will be back soon. <laughs> we Bye. will. We will. Yeah. I want to do Pogasari. Yeah. Oh, yes. Pogasari. That's next. Goodbye. We're gonna, I'm going to press stop now. <laughs>